From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 198 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I am a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. I hope you're doing well as we continue to celebrate this Christmas season. Please remember that Christmas is a 12-day season. Actually, technically it doesn't end to the baptism of the Lord. However, um, at least until the Epiphany. But it's not just one day. We're asked to use this time to enter more and more into the mystery of what Christmas is. That God so loved us that he sent his Son to reconcile us to the Father and to forgive us our sins. What an amazing, loving, and merciful God we have. In episode 198 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we will first discuss our Saint of the Week, St. Sylvester I, a Pope who served in a challenging time for the Church. We're here a homily for this Feast of the Holy Family that we celebrate today, as we really are contrasted with two men, Herod and Joseph, and their ways of living in the world and the way they treat their families. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a new bishop-elect in South Dakota. In our segment, Truth in the Media, we will discover a new book about a man on the journey to sainthood. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will attempt to understand what is happening in Costa Rica. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we'll hear the truth from Pope Francis about the role of the priesthood. All of this, plus music from Mark Speedy, who sings, Angels We Have Heard on High. This and more on episode 198 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week. When you think of this Pope, you think of the Edict of Milan, the emergence of the Church from the catacombs, the building of great basilicas, St. John Lateran, St. Peter's, and others, the Council of Nicaea, and other critical events in the history of the Church. But for the most part, these events were planned or brought about by Emperor Constantine, who was, of course, the Roman Emperor that legalized and made Christianity the state religion. A great store of legends have grown up about the man who happened to be Pope at this most important time in church history, but very little can be established historically. We know for sure that the papacy of Sylvester I lasted from 314 until his death in 335. Reading between the lines of history, we are assured that only a very strong and wise man could have preserved the essential independence of the church in the face of the overpowering figure of Emperor Constantine. In general, the bishops remained loyal to the Holy See and at times expressed apologies to Sylvester for undertaking important ecclesiastical projects at the urging of Constantine. Sylvester I's feast day is December 31st. St. Sylvester I, who served Jesus as a holy pope, despite many obstacles, our Saint of the Week.
Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the Feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, as we hear about the Holy Family's escape from King Herod. Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to the evil angels, he said, We can't keep Christian families from going to church and becoming holy. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. But we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So this is what I want you to do, angels. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. How shall we do this, shouted the angels. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent unnumbered schemes to occupy their minds, the devil said. Tempt them to spend, 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 borrow, borrow, borrow. Convince their wives to go to work for long hours, their husbands to work six or seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. Keep them from spending time with their children. As the family fragments, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so that they can't hear that still small voice that God comes to them in. Entice them to always be doing something in their homes. See to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays non-biblical music constantly, even during Christmas. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their vacations exhausted, disquieted, and unprepared. Don't let them go out in nature to see the beauty of God's wonders. Send them to amusement parks and sporting events. They can be involved in their church, Satan said but crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to seek power from Christ. Soon they will be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family unity for the good of the cause. It was quite a convention in the end, and the evil angels went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christian families everywhere to get busy, busy, busy and rush here and there. Has the devil been successful at this scheme? You be the judge. In our first reading from the book of Sirach, we hear that the Lord commands that families honor and care for one another. The fathers said, as he was in ancient times, being the head of the household, to be in a position of honor, that the mother mother should be listened to, that a child should take care of his family, that that is so much part of being a holy family. In our second reading from St. Paul to the Colossians, we hear that holiness shows people who have compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, people who are willing to forgive one another. And then the gospel, we hear a contrasting version of two men who have two very different families. King Herod. King Herod who, above all else, wanted to maintain his power. King Herod, who we know by history, killed various members of his family, including one wife and two sons. King Herod, who was willing to slaughter innocent babies, males two years or younger, to try to kill the Christ child. King Herod, an unholy family. And then the opposite, Joseph, a man who listens to God in his dreams, took Mary as his wife, and followed the commands of the Lord, the head of a holy family. 
So we are really given a contrast of families, an unholy family like King Herod had, and a holy family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So which one are we? Are we a holy family or sometimes an unholy family? We would all like to say that we are always a holy family, but if we are honest with ourselves, that is not necessarily the truth. For we can be unholy in the way that we treat one another. We can look at ourselves and our families and make it all about us. We can, in our families, be preoccupied with our careers, with what we want to do with our lives. And sometimes we become the center of ourselves and our own families. We become very self-centered sometimes. And when we are, we're not a holy family. Or we may see our family members as sort of objects. They, you know, we can do what we want. They're our kids. We can do what we want with them. Whether it's our wife or our husband, and we can treat them in a way we think they deserve instead of as they deserve to be treated. And when we do this, we are not a holy family. We also can become possessive of people in our families, see them as sort of our won't go so far as saying property, but sort of. And when we do this, we get controlling. We want to know what's going on. We want to have everything in control. And we can be, as in our story, so busy running around in our lives that we don't have time for God. Hence, we are not a holy family. But yet, my brothers and sisters, that is what each of us is called to be whether we're alone living in the family as a member of our church or whether we're living in a family at this time. To be a holy family means being people who are willing to protect one another. Joseph protected his family. Mary protected her son. They took care of one another and supported one another and protected one another even from potential life-threatening danger. The Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph also loved God first. They loved each other, sure, but God became and is the center of their lives together. They loved God, served God, and yes, loved one another, but God is and always was for them the center of their lives. And of course, they also, as Joseph, as we heard from Joseph's number of dreams, he was obedient to those dreams. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. They listened to the Magi and got out of town and got to safety. They obeyed God. They sacrificed for God, traveling through the desert to go to Egypt. Not an easy journey. And yet they did it anyway out of obedience. They said yes to God and followed his will. My brothers and sisters, we in 2019, soon to be 20, are called to be a holy family as well. For us to be a holy family means confronting ourselves that we are not people that just go around running around, living our lives for ourselves, accomplishing things, making money if we're still working, enjoying our leisure time if we're retired, that is not the meaning of life. We are to remember, if we are to be a holy family, that Christ must be the center of our lives. 
above all else, above anyone else. And if Christ is the center, if we are willing to say yes to whatever he wills for us, we will indeed be a holy family. Now let us listen to Mark's BB who sings that Christmas classic, Angels We Have Heard on High.
Catholics in the News Pope Francis recently accepted the resignation of Bishop Paul Joseph Swain of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and appointed Minnesota priest Father Donald Edward DeGrood as his successor. The Bishop of Sioux Falls since 2006, Bishop Swain's resignation was accepted after he reached in 2018, at the age of 75, the minimum age of retirement for diocesan bishops. Bishop Olette DeGrood, 54, grew up outside of Van Bolt, Minnesota, one of five boys in a farming community. A priest of the St. Paul Minneapolis Archdiocese, he has been pastor of St. John the Baptist Parish in Savage, Minnesota, since 2017. On the St. John's website, it states that life was great as a farm boy for Father DeGrood, and that DeGrood first felt called to the priesthood around age seven. St. John's serves more than 2,100 families, according to its website. The church also has a parochial school, with parochial, with basically a kindergarten preschool through eighth grade. From 2013 to 2017, Bishop-elect DeGrood was the Archdiocese Episcopal Vicar for Clergy. Bishop-elect DeGrood has been pastor of St. John Parish, as I said, since 2017, as well as having been on mem- several diocesan committees and on the board of the St. Paul Seminary in Minnesota. He was a formator and spiritual director there at St. Jo- John Vianney Seminary from 2000 to 2004. The Diocese of Sioux Falls, South Dakota is one of two in South Dakota. It covers the eastern part of the state and has over 120,000 Catholics. Bishop-elect Edward DeGrood going from Minnesota farm boy to head of a diocese. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media A new film opened recently that tells the story of Blessed Franz Jagerstetter, whose refusal to fight for the Nazis in the Second World War led to his imprisonment and eventual death. Franz was beatified by the Catholic Church in Austria in 2007. His wife, Franziska, was present at the beatification. She died in 2013 at the age of 100 years. The story of the couple, living as peasant farmers in St. Ragamund in Upper Austria during the Second World War, is recounted in the new film entitled A Hidden Life. The narrative places a strong emphasis on the town and farm where Franz and his family lived, showing in detail their daily lives and work with the animals in the fields and in the garden. The strong love between husband and wife and in the family are also closely shown, as they become criticized and ostracized by their neighbors for what is seen as selfish choice to conscientiously object to fighting in Hitler's war, which is what Franz did. The Hidden Wife starts in St. Ragadund in 1939, when Franz is already a strong Catholic. But the real-life man did not start life with a strong faith. Franz's mother, Rosilia Huber, was unmarried when she gave birth to Franz in 1907. His biological father was killed in the First World War. His mother later married the man who adopted him, Heinrich Jägerstädter, when he was 10 years old. Franz was a womanizer as a young man, fathered a daughter out of wedlock. 
There were periods in which Franz stopped going to Mass. He became a farmer, farmer and met Francisca, whom he wed on Holy Thursday in 1936. They then traveled to Rome, where they received the blessing of Pope Pius XI. Through Francisca's influence, Franz became the sexton of the local church, taking care of the property and grounds and assisting at liturgies. He started attending daily Mass. The husband and wife had three girls together and also remained close to Franz's older daughter. When Hitler invaded Austria in 1938, Franz was the only one in his village to vote against the annexation of Austria by Germany. In 1940, he was called up for military service. The mayor helped him to return home shortly thereafter, but he was again called up to active duty in October 1940 until April 1941, when the mayor was again able to intervene for his return home. During the time he was away, Franz and Francisca exchanged letters. These and other letters between husband and wife were published in English in 2009. The letters call into play a major part throughout the film, as they're heard through narrated voiceovers. Franz became convinced that he was wrong for him to fight and decided to refuse if he should be called up again, which happened in February 1943. He offered to carry out other nonviolent military service in the place of fighting. However, his request was denied, and he was taken into custody in Linz for two months, then transferred to prison. He was tried on July 6, 1943, and condemned to death for sedition. He was executed by beheading on August 9, 1943. A hidden life flashes between Franz in prison and his wife and family at home in St. Ragnund, and as she and her sister take on the full burden of caring for the family farm. A Hidden Life, a new film telling the story of Blessed Franz Jägerstedter, this week's Truth in the Media. Costa Rica's president recently issued a technical decree that defines conditions under which a doctor may perform an abortion when doctors consider it necessary to preserve the life of the mother. President Carlos Alvarado signed the decree that, while not changing any laws, weighs out how a woman may legally choose abortion in some circumstances. For making our country, they said, progressing in true respect for human rights would make it disrespectful for the most absolute right of those of the unborn, says Archbishop Jose Rafael Quinos in San Jose. So let me get this straight. A so-called Catholic country, Costa Rica, is making it slowly but surely easier to kill its children. And this is being humane and progressive and taking good care of people? No way! I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Pope Francis recently said that priests should strive after a strong relationship with Christ, beginning in the seminary, in order to be the guides in faith that the de-Christianized society needs. To seminarians and priests, he said, you are called to be evangelizers in your regions that are marked by de-Christianization. 
Dechristianization is what is happening all over the world, but particularly in Europe, as normal Christian countries like France are becoming more and more secular. There are those, the Holy Father said, that are exposed to the cold wind of uncertainty or religious indifference. They need to find in the person of the priest that robust faith, which is like a torch in the night and like a rock in which to cling, he stated. A strong faith, the Pope said, is cultivated above all in a personal relationship, heart to heart, with the person of Jesus Christ, beginning in the seminary and throughout the journey to priesthood. To become a priest, the Church requires a long period of formation, he noted, underlining the aspects of prayer, study, and communion. Study is an important part, Pope Francis went on to say, of the foundation of the formation of future priests. Also, its communal aspects, such as sharing lessons and studying with fellow students. The commitment to study, even in the seminary, is clearly personal, but is not simply individual. He said for priests, charity and fraternity should go hand in hand. A fraternity increasingly impregnated with the apostolic form and enriched by the traits proper to a diocese, that is, by those peculiar characteristics of the people of God and of the saints, especially of holy priests of a particular church, Pope Francis said, is essential. He also spoke about the four attitudes of closeness every diocesan priest should strive for. Closeness to God in prayer closeness to his bishop, closeness to his brother priests, and closeness to the people of God. If one of these is missing, he said, the priest will not function and will slowly slip into the perversion of clericalism or into rigid attitudes. Where there is clericalism, there is corruption. Where there is rigidity, under rigidity, there are serious problems, he stated. Pope Francis Speaking the truth about the importance of priests living holy lives by being rooted in Christ and in the fraternity of the priesthood in communion with God and his holy people. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we've come to the end of episode 198 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. And we've also come to the end of 2019, for this is the last podcast of the year. It's been a challenging year uh, for me, and I hope it's been a good one for you. Uh, The auto accident six months ago, a lot of stress and pressure at work, running around and not remembering sometimes why I'm running, which is to serve and love God and bring about in my own small way the kingdom, as we all are called to do. Anyway, if you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share or just want to say hi as we wrap up 2019, please email me at lowercase at gmail, G-M-A-I-L dot com. As we continue our Christmas journey into the new year, we ask our Lord to help us be a holy family of believers who live to love and to serve the Lord and one another. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. 
and let us ask Our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, which is next year, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together in 2020 what is truth.